0: talkzone.com TalkZone presents Two Guys and a Mic, your mid-morning break sports talk show. It's a passionate yet light-hearted look at the world of sports, featuring the coach, John Cone and the big dog, Joel Radwanski. They'll recap the games from yesterday, look ahead to the matchups tonight, and cover a lot more in between. Now, Two Guys and a Mic on TalkZone.com. And happy Monday morning to everybody. Happy Bears-Vikings Monday morning. We'll get into uh, that game that's going on tonight up at TCF Bank Stadium. Uh, Later on, we'll break down everything that has to go along with that. Chris Cluey, the Vikings punter, if his secondary motive with coming out with all these comments about the stadium uh, was to get a little fame, get a little uh, media time, well, he's done it because just about everybody is talking about uh, what he has said about the field conditions. And we'll, we'll, we'll add on to that list. We will give him his time of day on this show as well because he brings up an interesting point uh, in terms of player safety. But happy holidays to all two guys and a mic on TalkZone.com. Neil Malone in for the coach, John Cohn, on this Monday. I'll also be here on Tuesday and Thursday of this week bringing all sorts of sports talk to you. Two guys and a mic on Facebook, the fan page. Just search two guys and a mic. And two guys, Mike, on Twitter. That's 2.0. The number two guys, Mike, on Twitter. You can follow us there and get all the links to all of our shows. Well, what an NFL Sunday yesterday. We had backup quarterbacks we thought were washed up, playing well. We had linemen returning kickoffs inside the five-yard line. We had one NFC team blowing a 21-point lead at home in the fourth quarter to lose a divisional game, a very important game. Great stuff overall. One of my favorite NFL Sundays uh, this season. I just thought there was all sorts of action going on. And as I said, in case you didn't know, the Bears and Vikings playing on Monday night football. And have, have you heard where that game is being played? I don't think it's been discussed enough. TCF Bank Stadium, of course, in Minneapolis, the home of the Minnesota Gophers. We want to hear from you along the way on the show, 888 463 Six seven four eight or eight eight eight. Go for it. So call in. Give us your thoughts, whether it's the NFL uh, or Bears Vikings specifically tonight. But let's start off with, you know, we had such a crucial week fifteen. You know, late in the season, teams are trying to jockey for playoff position, and you'd think obviously the best guys are going to be out there. Well, in week fifteen, we had Rex Grossman. Matt Flynn, Tim Tebow, Drew Stanton, John Skelton, and then tonight Joe Webb for the Vikings, all starting quarterbacks this week in this crucial Week 15. If you say who are some of these guys, I don't blame you, uh, especially some of these younger guys, but I want to start off with Rex Grossman because when Mike Shanahan earlier this week announced that Rex Grossman was going to be the starting quarterback over Donovan McNabb for the Redskins in their matchup, Uh, with the Cowboys, everybody's eyes just opened up and said, are you serious, Mike Shanahan? I mean, we get that Donovan McNabb's been underachieving, there's been a little tension, but you're seriously going to put Rex Grossman at quarterback instead? Now, the Redskins aren't going to the playoffs anyways, but this McNabb guy, you just signed him to a contract extension, you want to keep him happy, and putting in Rex Grossman, a guy that has had all sorts of troubles as Everybody in Chicago has documented over the last several years. You're going to put him in instead? Well, maybe Mike Shanahan isn't so crazy after all, because yesterday, granted the Redskins did lose 33-30 to to the Dallas Cowboys, but Sexy Rexy threw four touchdowns. He did get picked off twice, but threw for over 320 yards. That's a pretty good game, and if you actually compare those numbers to what Donovan McNabb has done this year. Donovan McNabb has only thrown two touchdowns in a game twice this season. He hasn't thrown three in a game, hasn't thrown four, hasn't thrown five. Two touchdowns in, his, in one game is the most he's thrown uh, in a single game this season. He's done it twice. So Rex Grossman threw four yesterday. I mean, say what you want. It was a battle of two teams, the Cowboys and the Redskins, uh that aren't making the playoffs clearly they're just playing for pride if you will at this point but i mean that's that's an nfl size performance right there that's that's the rex grossman that we saw as bears fans weeks one through six in their super bowl year back in 2006 rex grossman had an incredible passer rating was playing out of his mind and then of course hit that rough patch down the stretch in that Super Bowl season. But Rex Grossman, got to give it to him yesterday. Four touchdowns, 322 yards passing uh, against the Dallas Cowboys. And then you had Matt Flynn. Flynn filling in for the injured the concussed Aaron Rodgers for the Packers. He's going to Foxborough to face a Patriots team that just knocked off the Bears 36-7 to on the road. Just knocked off. The Jets, the previous week, 45-3. to I mean, Tom Brady and, and company, they were white hot coming in. And playing at home at Foxborough against a backup quarterback like Matt Th- Flynn, you started to think, all right, this is going to be really bad. Then you started to think, okay, they're going to lose. If the Bears win, they clinched the division. As a Bears fan... That was ingrained in your mind. It looked like a very easy scenario, but it was nothing. Uh, it was nothing even close to easy last night for the Patriots. They end up knocking off the Packers, thirty-one to twenty-seven. But Matt Flynn looked really, really good. Three touchdowns, did throw an interception. Two hundred and fifty-one yards passing was very good until that final play. If you didn't watch the game, the Packers had. A great chance to drive down the field and get something done to try to take the lead late in the game. I believe they had about four and a half minutes to go less than 50 yards. Now, they did have to get in the end zone. A field goal wouldn't have done it, but Matt Flynn drove him down, got a couple first downs, and then on the final play of the game, kind of mismanaged the clock, wasn't able to get uh, the play call very quickly, so, what turned into having about 23, 24 seconds left to run, maybe one, uh, one more, two, probably more, like two more plays, uh, ended up just being kind of a last gasp attempt, got sacked, fumbled the football, game over, Packers lose. So, <laughs> Matt Flynn gave Bears fans all they could handle yesterday, gave them quite a scare, uh, but he played well also. So, you didn't think some of these backup quarterbacks would get the job done, but, you know, just add up Grossman and Flynn's total. That's seven touchdowns, three picks, and uh, about 600 yards passing between the two. So that's pretty impressive. Join in two guys at a mic, talkzone.com. Neil Malone with you, 888 463 6748. We're talking NFL. We're talking about some of the backup quarterbacks that started yesterday that looked pretty good. Tim Tebow, another one, much anticipated debut. Of course, coming in. You thought of Tebow more as a running quarterback than than the stereotypical pocket passer in the NFL. Only passed for 138 yards yesterday, but did have a touchdown. Didn't turn the football over at all. Also rushed for 78 yards and a touchdown, so he accounted for two of the Broncos' touchdowns. Unfortunately, they fell to the Raiders 39-23. to That Broncos team is all kinds of beat up after uh, what has transpired this season, losing their coach, a couple injuries. It's just been... Kind of a rough season in Denver, but Tim Tebow, maybe proving some people wrong yesterday with his play, looked pretty good uh, as a starting quarterback. Now that's not to say he's, uh, you know, pushing Kyle Orton uh, out of that starting spot just yet. Who knows what Brady Quinn's going to do? I feel like he's just going to rot in that third spot uh, if he doesn't change his his play or his work ethic uh, lately. So. But Tim Tebow looked pretty good. We also had Drew Stanton. Now, Stanton, I guess, is a little bit less in this category because he's been starting for the last several weeks. And really, even in his first start of the season against the Chicago Bears, he looked pretty good, and he pushed the Bears about as far as they could. The Bears did pull it out 24-20 to that game. But Drew Stanton looked good yet again yesterday, 252 yards and a touchdown and they the Lions upset uh, Tampa Bay, which has kind of been the surprise team in the NFC, pushing for a playoff spot, 23-20 to in overtime. Drew Stanton looking good as well. The other quarterbacks I mentioned, John Skelton, well, he was a little bit more underwhelming uh, for the Cardinals. He's probably the guy you haven't heard of. He did not play all that great in their loss to the Panthers. Talk about a bad game, the Panthers and the Cardinals. Consensus bottom two teams in the NFL uh, playing yesterday, the Panthers came in on top on that one, uh, 19 to 12 over the Cardinals. And the last quarterback, Joe Webb, we will see how he will do tonight against the Bears. I tell you, if he puts up these kind of numbers that some of these other backup quarterbacks put up in week 15, the Bears could be in trouble because you know that with the Vikings, it's a divisional game. They're not going to go down easy. And I think the Bears, with all the elements going on the road, sort of all the uncertainty about this week's game, they're kind of counting on Joe Webb to struggle tonight. And if Joe Webb, you know, becomes one of those surprising stories, we've had so many surprises thus far in this NFL season. If he becomes anywhere close to a good kind of surprise for the Vikings tonight, I think the Bears are going to find themselves in a lot more trouble than maybe everybody thought. So backup quarterbacks doing the job yesterday in the NFL. I also mentioned we had linemen returning kickoffs if you didn't see this clip YouTube it look it up on ESPN do something. Dan Connolly, a big offensive lineman for the Patriots. I don't believe he's a starter. Uh he was one of the one of the blockers on special teams and you had a squib kick from Mason Crosby of the Packers. The ball finds its way to Connolly, and normally when that happens, you know, the lineman scoops it up. He might run for a couple yards and fall over just to make sure. They always tell you, make sure, hold on to the ball. But Dan Connolly did a little bit something more yesterday. He gets the ball at about the 25, 30-yard line, I believe, uh, of the Patriots, and it was really funny. You kind of have to watch the clip to see this, but he grasps the ball so tight as if it's like his only his only uh the thing at the top of his list on the return is to just hold on to that football and go down well he's expecting somebody to hit him and all of a sudden the packer special teams nobody hits him so dan Connolly wasn't moving very fast but he just kept on rumbling and stumbling uh, up the middle and down the left sideline he was getting blocks from his teammates all this ends up being a 71-yard kickoff return, returns it all the way inside the Packers' 5-yard line, and John Connolly, that 71-yard kickoff return, that was longer than the top return of 18 other NFL teams. So you had the 6-5, or 6'4", 313-pound guard out of southeast Missouri State, returning a kickoff 71 yards inside the five. That set up a score for the Patriots, and it gave all the teammates and fans uh, quite a laugh as well. So Dan Connolly, probably the play of the the day yesterday, but if it wasn't Dan Connolly, it might have been Deshaun Jackson for the Eagles. Let's move on to that Giants-Eagles game. It was a game where... If you turned, tuned in in the second or third quarter, you go, okay, man, these Giants, they're looking good. Maybe they're becoming the playoff team uh, that that everybody's expecting. They were up 31-10 to 10 on the Eagles, but then the fourth quarter hit. And mind you, this game is pl- being played in New York, so Giants in front of their home fans up 21 points in the fourth quarter. And that is when the Eagles started to... Uh, fight back a little bit. A 65-yard touchdown pass from Michael Vick to Brent Selleck made it 31-17. to You go, okay, they're making it close, but surely they can't come back, can they? But then something happened, and it's Andy Reid. He's well-known for taking some risks on the football field. He calls an onside kick. It was unbelievably executed by David Akers. Akers approached the ball as if... It was going to be a regular kickoff and even even the other players uh, the other Eagles players on special teams sold it well as if they were getting ready to sprint down the field but all of a sudden Acres opened up his hips hit a beautiful onside kick right into the hands of Riley Cooper so all of a sudden it's 31-17 with about 7 minutes left and the Eagles have the ball again and once they got that onside kick you started to say to yourself okay is this possible? Well Michael Vick Took over the game with his legs from there. He had a couple long runs on that drive, then capped it off with a four-yard touchdown. That cut the lead to seven at 31-24. The Eagles, they get a stop. Michael Vick does it with his legs again. I mean, this if if there was any game this season that gave you flashbacks to his Atlanta Falcons days where he was just running all over the place, it was yesterday in the fourth quarter, so he has a couple big runs again. Then he finds Jeremy Macklin for a thirteen yard touchdown to tie it up with, I believe it was about a minute and a half to go in the football game. And we'll check right here. Yeah, it was one sixteen to play. So you thought no way can the Vikings, or no way can the Eagles get the football back. Can they? Well, they get a stop. The Giants one way or another, are forced to punt with 13 seconds left. So you have Matt Dodge, the punter for the Giants, who has struggled all year handling snaps. Uh, he's had a lot of low punts, a lot of line drive punts. He's just kind of struggled in terms of the NFL standards of a punter. So 13 seconds left. All you're asking your punter to do is to just boot it, A decent distance down the field, but just absolutely make sure you kick it out of bounds. That's the only thing, and I'm sure, at least I hope Tom Coughlin told him that, because that is an absolute no-brainer. You cannot kick the ball. I don't care if it's Dan Connolly, the 313-pound lineman back there. You don't want to give them any chance to return this punt. So you have Deshaun Jackson out there, that quite the contrary of... Dan Connolly arguably the fastest man in the NFL and what do you do Matt Dodge you hit a low line drive punt right into the arms of Jackson you outkick your coverage so your coverage isn't down there to swamp Jackson when he catches the ball he's got plenty of room to run he makes a couple moves a la Devin Hester starts running backwards and then finds that gap that's all he was looking for Jackson gets a couple blocks runs down the sideline and scores the game winning touchdown on a punt return, return in New York as time expires, giving the Eagles a 38 to 31 victory after the game. And understandably so, Tom Coughlin immediately threw off his headset, threw down his clipboard and made a beeline towards Matt Dodge, the Giants punter. And if you read his lips correctly, he said, I thought, and maybe a couple expletives in there, but I thought, you, I told you to kick the ball out of bounds. And honestly, if you're the punter, you shouldn't even have to have a coach tell you that. It's an obvious move at that stage in the game. Well, Tom Coughlin tells him, did it really get through? I guess not. So we want to hear from you. 888-463-6748. Neil Malone here with you on TalkZone.com on two guys and a mic. Was it Tom Coughlin's fault or was it the punter Matt Dodge's fault? Now, I got to go with... With Dodge here, because as a coach, you can say anything you want, but you can't go out there on the field and execute. So until the player actually completes your instructions, what are you supposed to do as a coach? So I'm pretty sure, I mean, this we're talking Tom Coughlin, a Super Bowl-winning head coach, a guy that has been in New York for a long time, There's no way he does not tell his punter to kick the ball out of bounds, and it's Matt Dodge, a guy who has really, really, really struggled this year from the punting position making that mistake. The other thing that I didn't mention on that play was Deshaun Jackson. He beat all the defenders, and when he got down towards the goal line, he started running parallel to the goal line as if to, run out the cl- make sure all the time is off the clock smart play right but deshaun jackson catches the ball with about 7 seconds left in the game the time is easily expired by the time he gets it towards that goal line what if he had what if he would have tripped what if he would have you know gotten caught by one of the trailing defenders i mean don't forget deshaun jackson in his rookie year he was the guy that caught the ball over the top, was going in for a touchdown, and he dropped the ball before crossing the goal line, resulting in a fumble. And then last week when he fell into the end zone at the end of a long TD play, kind of a showboaty move there. I mean, this is a guy that likes to showboat. He likes to do stupid stuff around the goal line. It's bit him uh, in the behind before, and it did. It almost did again yesterday. I mean, we're talking, this guy could have easily ran into the end zone last night, won the game, time expired, no questions asked. But he decided to run parallel to the goal line. He said to make sure the clock uh, was running out, but I don't know about that. I think he just wanted to essentially shove it in the New York fans' faces, and I mean, that's exactly what he did, but thank God for his own sake and his own reputation within the locker room that he didn't make some sort of mistake trip up uh get tackled fumble the football something because that would have been probably the most boneheaded play uh, of the year and maybe even of I don't know the decade so far i mean this that would have just been an absolute catastrophe nonetheless the eagles pull it out 38-31 in new york and that was a meaningful game, too. Both teams, they were 9-4 and four going into that game. And with the win, the Eagles have clinched a head-to-head tiebreaker. They've won both games against the Giants this year and now find themselves a game ahead, which is essentially two games because of the tiebreaker, in the division for the Giants. So that 28-point effort in the fourth quarter for the Eagles and the Giants blowing it at home, that was a very, very costly game for the New York team. Neil Malone with you on Two Guys and a Mic on Talkzone.com 888-463-6748. We've got plenty more NFL to talk coming up next and we'll also get into the Bears Vikings game being played at TCF Bank Stadium. That game coming up at 7:30 Central Time tonight up in Minnesota. Take a quick break. We'll be back in 1 second on Two Guys and a Mic. Welcome back on this Monday morning. Two guys and a mic on TalkZone.com. Follow us on Facebook. We've got a fan page. Search Two Guys and a Mic. And on Twitter, it's the number two. And then the word Guys and Mic, M-I-C, on Twitter.com. We'll have links and uh, posts on there for you to all the archives and the podcasts. Do this every, uh, every week, Monday through Friday. And uh, I'll be here Tuesday and Thursday as well this week alongside Uh, Brady Stiff, so that should be fun as well. This morning we're talking NFL, of course, and after what was a wild Sunday yesterday, you had all sorts of surprising finishes, all sorts of uh, storylines we were talking about early on in the show. And, I mean, it's really gone on par with what we've seen all season. This this has been an absolutely crazy NFL season, hasn't it? I mean, parody everywhere. You have teams beating other teams that... You know, In past years, it just doesn't happen like that. But for one reason or another, I mean, look at this New England team. Beating the Jets 45-3. Beating the Bears 36-7. Following up this week with a 31-27 win over Green Bay. And then think back earlier in the season, they got blown out by the Cleveland Browns. I mean, anything can happen this year. And it's made for really an exciting finish. And we'll get into... Uh, sort of all the surprises of this season later because I think the Chicago Bears are at the forefront of those surprises. We'll talk about the Bears and Vikings coming up in just a little bit. We're going to run through the scores though, uh, from NFL week 15. We'll start with the Bengals and the Cleveland Browns. The Bengals actually pulling that one out 19 to 17. Then I know in professional sports, tanking, so to speak, is not anyone's goal, and teams don't really try to do that. Maybe the Boston Celtics did it that one year uh, when they were trying to go for the number one overall lottery pick. It didn't even end up working out. But the Cincinnati Bengals, they sat at 2-11 coming into this football game. They have the Cleveland Browns coming to town. 2-11 puts you in prime position for the number one overall pick. It's not like the NBA where... It's a lottery system and it's based on odds. I mean, if you are, if you have the worst record in the NFL, you get the number one pick, unless you, of course, have any trades or anything going along with that. The Bengals are having a terrible season. They're clearly mulling over a possible coaching change with Marvin Lewis and company. So 2 and 11, why not? Why, why, why do you have to start Carson Palmer? Why do you have, I mean, Give Jordan Palmer a try. Just try to build on maybe some players that you want in the future but haven't played a lot. Don't worry about the win-loss column because here it is. You have a chance at the number one overall pick. And you know what? I think that's a bigger deal. It's Is it ethical in sports? Is it probably the way an organization is run? No, it's not. But the Bengals, they get the win. They now move to 3-11. and 11 And they beat the Browns. Browns fall to 5-9. and nine. Colt McCoy... Uh, returned in that game. McCoy's been really, really good. Another one of those pleasant surprises this year. 19 for 25, 243 yards, and two touchdowns yesterday. Um, Cedric Benson was the storyline for the winning Bengals team. He rushed 31 times for 150 yards and a touchdown. Very, very good outing from the former Bear. Dallas knocked off the Redskins, 33-30. We mentioned earlier in the show, Rex Grossman played well, I mean, by Rex Grossman's standards, I think Mike Shanahan would have accepted a touchdown and two interceptions for 250 yards. Well, instead, he threw four touchdowns, two interceptions for 322 yards. He found Santana Moss twice and Ryan Terrain and Chris Cooley once each. And what was a pretty good comeback effort, they were down 30 to 14 and Grossman threw two touchdown passes to tie it up at 30, uh, including a pass on a two-point conversion um, to Mike Sellers um, to tie the ball game up. So it was only a David Bueller field goal at the end of the game that stopped the Redskins from winning that one. But Grossman was impressive on the Cowboys' side. John Kitna threw for over 300 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions. Another good game for him. Found Jason Witten 10 times for 140 yards and a touchdown. Jason Witten is just whatever quarterback has been playing down there in Dallas, he just has been old reliable over the years uh for any quarterback. Tony Romo, uh John Kitna, whoever it is. The Titans knock off the Texans 31 to 17. Titans move to 6 and 8. The Texans drop to 5 and 9 and the Texans continue to be one of those really perplexing teams for me. I mean, they have one of the most explosive offenses in the league. They have had some injuries on the defensive side. D'Amico Ryan's out for the season. Mario Williams hampered uh, by an injury. But you know, every year I think they're gonna—they've got a 10 and 6 year in them. But something goes wrong. Maybe it's the fact that they play Indianapolis twice a year. Uh, but they really should have won this game. The Titans had Kerry Collins starting at quarterback. They. Really didn't have much confidence coming in. Chris Johnson has had a difficult time running the football this year. But Johnson responded well. 24 carries for 130 yards and a touchdown. Kerry Collins, uh, 237 yards, passing a couple TDs and an interception. So good job by the Titans to rally around Coach Jeff Fisher in what has been a very, very difficult season. We'll see if Titan the Titans have any coaching changes coming in the near future. The Colts knock off the Jacksonville Jaguars 34-24, the Jags had a chance to clinch a playoff spot and win that division last uh, last yesterday afternoon, but they couldn't do it in Indianapolis. A tough place to play, especially against Peyton Manning. 34-24, the Colts win it. A scary play in that game. Austin Colley, it was his first game coming back from... Not one, but two concussions this season. He got off to a red-hot start in the season. Peyton Manning, uh, you know, a lot of people thought Kali would become his favorite target, but starts uh, having these concussions problems. You could see the impact he has for this team, because he had eight catches and 87 yards for two touchdowns until late in the game. And I think it was actually the third quarter. He went across the middle. Peyton Manning threw it to him, and he got hit again in the head, was down motionless. It was a very scary scene because you never like to see players have multiple concussions in one season. Aaron Rodgers has had a couple concussions this year. It's just a very dangerous thing. And Kali had to be uh, escorted by the training staff off to the locker room. He did come up, come out of the locker room and back out onto the – uh, the sidelines in street clothes later on, but surely they got to keep him out for the season uh, because you don't want to mess around with uh, what has been uh, such a great player for the Colts this year. Once again, they win 34 24 over Jacksonville. The Chiefs knock off the Rams 27 13. Matt Castle makes his return from appendectomy surgery. He throws a touchdown and an interception and 184 yards. Jamal Charles and Thomas Jones, impressive on the ground. They combined. For almost 200 yards and two touchdowns. The Chiefs 9-5. and five. Todd Haley doing a nice job down there in Kansas City. Buffalo knocks off Miami 17-14. to The Bills now 4-10. and They're starting to pick up a little bit of steam. Uh, but they will certainly be in line for another top five pick this year. Brandon Marshall finally getting in the end zone for the Dolphins in that game um detroit and tampa bay we had the only overtime game yesterday drew stanton leading the lions to a victory in that one josh freeman uh, played well though for tampa bay 251 yards passing and a touchdown it was a dave rayner 34 yard field goal in overtime that won it for the detroit lions you're tuned in to Two Guys and a Mic on TalkZone.com, 888-463-6748. Neil Malone in for the coach, John Cohn, this morning. Going through some of the uh, football scores from yesterday, just a few minutes away from breaking down the Bears-Vikings matchup tonight in Minneapolis. We'll finish up the scores right now, but we want to get to your phone calls if you want to call in. Once again, 888-463-6748. Carolina knocks off Arizona, nineteen to twelve. A good game between the Saints and the Ravens yesterday. A good matchup. Uh, the Ravens emerge victorious, thirty to twenty-four, over the Saints uh, in Baltimore. Both teams now ten and four. A good game from Drew Brees, two hundred sixty-seven yards and three touchdowns. Joe Flacco, one hundred seventy-two and two touchdowns. Story was Ray Rice, though, on the ground for the Ravens. Another great game for the running back out of Rutgers. Philly knocks off the Giants 38-31. Talked about that earlier in the show. The Atlanta Falcons 34-18 winners over the Seattle Seahawks. New York Jets knock off the Pittsburgh Steelers 22-17. That one was a very impressive win. That one in Pittsburgh, a very tough place to play at Heinz Field. Seems like Ben Roethlisberger always wills the team to win uh there. But the Jets' defense, you got to give it to them down the stretch. They uh tackle them well, they more in the end zone for a safety at, at the end of the game to kind of uh, bury the hatchet. So the Jets, all of a sudden, after a couple perplexing losses, I guess you could say, for Rex Ryan's team. They now look to be back on track, and that doesn't bode well for the Chicago Bears, who will face them next week. You don't want to face a Rex Ryan team that is gaining momentum. The Raiders knock off the Broncos 39-23. to 23. I mentioned Tim Tebow made his starting debut and actually played very well, threw for 138 yards and a touchdown, also rushed for 78 and a touchdown and did not turn the ball over at all. And as we mentioned earlier, New England knocking off Green Bay 31-27. to And that leaves us to the Bears and Vikings tonight at TCF Bank Stadium in Minneapolis, home of the Minnesota Golden Gophers. 7.30 kickoff central time. It'll be on ESPN. It'll be a fun game to watch nonetheless, whether it's for the football on the field or just the absolute frigid conditions and the snow that is on the way. It's going to be a spectacle one way or another. We'll talk about all of that coming up next on the talkzone.com. Neil Malone in for the coach, John Cone on Two Guys and a mic, back in a flash on talkzone.com. to Mike on TalkZone.com. Neil Malone with you in for the coach, John Cohn. I'll be here Tuesday and Thursday this week with Brady Stiff. And we'll bring you all sorts of sports talk. It's a heavy football Monday, though, and rightfully so. We had some fantastic games in the NFL yesterday. But this one tonight is something that has been, uh, the tension has been building Really, the last couple weeks, ever since that collapse of the Metrodome roof, the Vikings organization has had to scramble to try to find a place to play their remaining home game. And, you know, there were rumors. Is it going to be Indianapolis? Is it going to be Detroit? Is it going to be Atlanta? Or is it, in fact, going – or is it going to be the Metrodome? Uh, you know, that was a possibility until, until about a week ago. But it ended up being the college facility uh, just down the street in, in Minneapolis, TCF Bank Stadium, the home of the Minnesota Golden Gophers, a stadium that is not really designed to handle the temperatures of December. But don't even get me started on that. We'll get into that in a second, why this stadium is somehow not prepared for this type of weather. Uh, But speaking of that weather, let's get you the forecast, at least currently for tonight. Right now, it's 20 degrees in the Twin Cities uh, with a 40% chance of some snow. But as I look at this hour-by-hour forecast, if you will, you guys know what I'm talking about with weather.com, all the minute details of the weather. As the day goes on, that precipitation chance goes pretty much up and up and up. It gets up to around game time, about a 70% chance of snow. And when it's only 25 degrees, as it says for uh, a round kickoff, that's not good news. There's going to be a lot of snow. Um, and it could, could look somewhat like that Bears Patriots game, uh, that we saw last week. Now, the argument has been made by Chris Cluey, the Minnesota Vikings punter. He tweeted this week, Chris Cluey getting more media attention than I think he's ever gotten in his his entire life combined. So Chris Cluey, which, by the way, his Twitter handle is Chris Warcraft, apparently a big fan of World of Warcraft. Anyways, he has been expressing his fears about the frozen turf. He said when he went out there the other day, he said the field, quote, the field is as hard as concrete, and anyone that hits their head in the game is going to get a concussion. I find it interesting that the NFL can comment about player safety and then tell us the field is fine. It's beyond hypocritical. I can only hope, however unlikely, that no one gets catastrophically injured at the train wreck that is about to take place tomorrow night. That was Chris Cluey, Chris Warcraft on Twitter, tweeting about the field conditions that he saw. So as it stands, as I said, it's going to be about 23 degrees, give or take, during kickoff with a, a 70 75% chance of snow. Now, I guess you could say that if some snow does fall, it could provide, I guess, a little extra cushioning uh, from that hard field. Because if it's it's as hard as concrete, I guess you'd want anything. You'd welcome any type of padding. So if it does snow, I guess maybe that would help a little bit. But I want to ask this question, and if you know the answer, please, please tell me, 888-463-6748. Neil Malone with you on two guys and Mike here on TalkZone.com. When you're building a facility in two thousand Seven 2008, whenever TCF Bank broke ground. I mean, this is is modern times. We're talking about you're dishing out as a university, you're dishing out millions and millions of dollars to make this a state-of-the-art facility. And I've been up there. It's a very, I haven't been actually inside the stadium, but I've been outside the stadium, kind of around it. It, It's a very, very nice-looking stadium. And one word I would just use to describe it, Uh, For a college stadium, it is state-of-the-art. Now, if you're going to go the extra mile and do this, why don't you put the heating coils under the field? Almost every field out there these days has those heating coils under the field so that if bad weather happens, you can kind of turn them on, and that way you can regulate the, uh, for lack of a better word, texture of the field or how firm it is. Uh, and the moisture level. So why in Minnesota, of all places, why wouldn't you put heating coils there? I think that would solve a lot of the problems. That would soften up the turf quite a bit in Minnesota, as Chris Kluwe is saying that it's hard as concrete. Wouldn't you think some heating coils would maybe do the trick? Because Kluwe said the problem isn't when the field is under the tarp. When it's under the the insulated tarp, it's actually uh maintains kind of a soft feel to it, but it can't maintain that field when the tarp comes off and it's open to the elements. So just a thought. If you're you know, if you're spending I don't know, how much does it cost to to do a stadium, but if you're spending hundreds of millions of dollars to construct a state of the art football facility, why not go the extra mile, spend an extra mill and and do the heating coil thing under the field, you're in Minnesota, for God's sakes. One of the coldest, probably the coldest sports market in the United States. Just a thought. But for this game, TCF Bank Stadium, they've had to meet all sorts of regulations just to have this game there. The concession workers, I think it's a law where the concession workers have to be working inside conditions of 30 degrees or more. Now, that's probably not a problem when the Gophers have their games in late October, early November, but we're talking late December. Of course, they're not going to be working in 30-degree conditions. So they've had to install plexiglass, I believe, at the front of those concession stands just to make sure that the temperature within those facilities meets the standard. So that's a lot of money right there that is being put towards installing uh, the the plexiglass things at uh, every concession stand. You also have the bathrooms that are open element bathrooms as a lot of college football stadiums are. I, I think they've probably had to do something with that to try to uh, ensure that that the bathrooms are warm enough to where the pipes won't freeze or the pipes won't burst when the fans are in there. I mean, this is go- they've gone through a lot of hoops just to have this game in Minnesota. The talk was Indianapolis earlier this week, but Minnesota, they expressed the concern that the Bears fans would buy up the place. And I think they're pretty much right. I think that would have been more of a Bears home game than anything. But what about Atlanta? What's wrong with Atlanta? If you have to go through all of these hoops just to have the game at TCF Stadium... TCF Bank Stadium, and there's all these concerns and you know player safety issues. Why not go to Atlanta? Sure, it's not going to be a great atmosphere. And there won't be that many Bears fans, won't be that many Vikings fans. But it's the way it goes. I mean, you're, the roof collapsed on your stadium. So it'll be interesting to see how this the, the operations of this game at TCF Bank Stadium goes tonight. And we'll see if Chris Cluey is in fact correct about the field issues because uh, you know the player safety issue is certainly something that has come to light and I mean you saw it yesterday even another reminder with Austin Colley getting his third concussion of the season uh, how dangerous and brutal this sport can be so imagine if Austin Colley is going across the middle getting hit in the head and he's playing on concrete makes it a little interesting doesn't it but back to the game Joe Webb makes his first career start for the Minnesota Vikings. This is a guy they drafted with the idea that maybe they could put him at wide receiver. Webb, he's got good size. And we'll look up his player card right now. Joe Webb has very good size. He's a rookie out of Alabama, Birmingham. So he went to UAB, 24 years old. And Joe Webb 6'4", 220. So the guy's got some, he's got some bulk to him. He's got some height to him. Good, I guess you would say, NFL quarterback prototypical size. But think about the scenario he's walking into here. Joe Webb, first career start, and nonetheless, it's on You know, uh, in a high profile atmosphere like Monday Night Football, National TV, ESPN, all the stuff that's been going on with the stadiums. I mean, literally all eyes are on this guy and this is his first career start. Got in a little bit last week, but I mean, it's, it's almost an impossible atmosphere to ask a rookie to go into and make an impact. So this guy, more of an athlete than anything. Obviously, in the college game, you see a lot of those quarterbacks that can run, a lot of the dual-threat quarterbacks that, yeah, they're up to snuff in the college game, but if they want to play at the pro level, they've got to play receiver, kick returner, like Brad Smith on the Jets, someone like that. So we'll see how he actually handles managing a game from the quarterback position, making the right reads against a Bears defense that is very, very good. So that's just the first reason why the Bears should absolutely win this football game. And I'll tell you a couple more reasons. The Bears are in their element weather-wise, whereas the Vikes, the Vikes are only used to playing a handful or less of cold weather games each year. They go once to Green Bay, they go once to Chicago, usually later in the year. That's two. Probably, you know, a couple other games, toss it in. But we're talking cold-weather games, they probably play four at the most each season because they're used to playing in that dome. Where the Bears, they play a lot more than that. They're used to this. They thrive on that. So weather-wise, advantage Bears. Joe Webb being the opposing quarterback, advantage Bears. The Vikings are out of the playoffs. So why should their fans that are normally used to sitting inside a dome, all warm and toasty, why should they care enough to come out out to this game and make it into a crazy home game atmosphere? Why should they? I mean, the Vikes are out of the playoffs. They've fired their coach. Brett Favre is inactive. So, you know, a normal home atmosphere... Maybe the Bears don't have a chance, but that's not going to be the case. So the Bears, they have everything to play for, whereas the Vikes don't really have anything to play for. So that is why I would be extremely surprised if the Bears lost tonight. Now, as we said, it's been a crazy football season, and if there's any indication of what could happen tonight, just look at the rest of the season. Look at that Packers-Patriots game yesterday. Maybe it won't be as easy for the Bears as I'm leading on, or as people are predicting. But, I mean, do you really think the Bears are going to give up this opportunity to clinch the division tonight with all these variables, all these factors in their favor? I don't think so. I really don't. So, I think the Chicago Bears have a very, very good chance tonight. We will break down this matchup a little more. We're going to take one more break on two guys and a mic on TalkZone.com. Back in one moment, and we'll talk a little bit more Bears-Vikings before we get out of here for the day. Back in a flash. Just over 20 degrees and snow in the forecast for tonight's game between the Bears and Vikings. Neil Malone with you on Two Guys and a Mic on TalkZone.com. Got about 10 minutes left in this show. You can join in, 888-463-6748. 888-GO-FOR-IT is the number. You know, I tell you, I went to a Bears-Packers game on the lakefront at Soldier Field. I think it was 2000. Eight, it must have been, where the Bears won in overtime. They missed the playoffs that year, but they, they pulled it off in overtime and upset the Packers, who were headed to the playoffs that year. You want to know what the temperature was at kickoff for that game? You might remember, two degrees. It was two degrees. There was, I mean, it wasn't snowing or anything, but... Two degrees and windy right there on the lakefront. Monday night football. Imagine that. So I don't want to hear anything about tonight's game being the worst conditions we've ever seen. How can they possibly play out there? It's been done before. uh, There's a game like this every year. seems like the Bears are involved a lot of the time. So I'm not... I'm not saying I don't believe what Chris Clu- Cl- Chris Cluey the Vikings punter is saying, but and and I totally endorse the player safety thing. But how is it that the conditions tonight are going to be any more dangerous than the night I was at that Bears Packers game where they won 20 to 17 in overtime and it was 2 degrees at kickoffs. And a good segue from that game to tonight's game would be At that Bears Packers game, you know, you go to a football game, have a couple beers, right? Well, that day, we would get the beer and it would absolutely, the top of it would freeze by the time we'd get back to our seats. That's how cold it was. That gives you an idea. The segue here is there will be no booze at tonight's game. It must be because it's being held at a, a college football stadium, where you're not allowed to do that. Uh, but good luck to you, Vikings and Bears fans tonight. Uh, no beer, no no anything. So I don't know if it, I don't know if you're gonna sneak something in from your tailgate. I'm not saying you should, but uh, but that'll be interesting. So no booze tonight at the. 730 kickoff between the Bears and Vikings at TCF Bank Stadium in Minneapolis. The injury re- report looks a little bit like this. The Bears, a piece of Tino Isamo, Charles Tillman, and Chester Taylor. Last time I checked, all listed as questionable. I believe I heard a report that, that Charles Tillman, uh, that Peanut was going to play. So I would expect, I would expect, uh, Taylor and Tillman to play in this football game tonight. Tino Isamoah, you just never know. So those three players on the injury report for the Bears. For the Vikings, Tyrell Johnson, Steve Hutchinson, Brett Favre out tonight. Ray Edwards, Adrian Peterson, and Jamarca Sanford questionable. I believe Ray Edwards uh, is going to play, and Adrian Peterson seems to be questionable every week and ends up playing. So I would expect those two to be out there tonight as well. Asher Allen, the cornerback for the Vikings, is probable in tonight's football game. So that brings us to the opportunity for the Chicago Bears tonight to clinch the NFC North division title. Now, if you went into this season saying that in Week 15, the Bears would have an opportunity to clinch the title over a Packers team that seemingly has one of the best offenses in the NFL with Aaron Rodgers, and a Vikings team that just went to the NFC championship game and came within a Brett Favre of interception uh, from, from making the Super Bowl. So if you were to say that the Bears had an opportunity to clinch the division title over those two teams at this point in the season, then kudos to you. You must have won a lot of money because I don't think anybody predicted that. So it's an unbelievable opportunity for the Bears. Now, Yes, they've had their fair share of breaks, and as a matter of fact, I'll go through them here. Think back to week one. This is just the first of the many Bears breaks they've gotten this year. The Bears play the Detroit Lions. Near the end of the game, Matthew Stafford finds Calvin Johnson in the back of the end zone. He gets two feet down. He seems to get his whole body down, but does not control the ball all the way through the catching process. It's ruled an incomplete pass, and the Bears win. I mean, it looked like, no doubt, Lions win. That's break number one. Bears come out of the first game 1-0. and How about week three? They play the Green Bay Packers at Soldier Field. The Packers absolutely dominate the game. But they just happen to commit 18 penalties that day for 152 yards. I'd call that a break, wouldn't you? I don't think the Packers are committing 18 penalties for over 150 yards every week. Week 5. the break Mainly the break in Week 5 is they get to play Carolina. But this is coming off a New York Giants loss where Jay Cutler not only gets knocked out of the game with a concussion, but he gets sacked, what was it, I can't even remember, 13 times? So... The break there is they get to play Carolina, one of the worst teams in the NFL. Todd Collins is starting, and it just so happens that they get to play the Panthers. They pull out that game despite having pretty much no offense. That's break number three. Week nine. Instead of playing the Buffalo Bills in front of what I think is one of the great fan bases in football in Buffalo, they get to go play the Bills in Toronto and half the stadium's Bears fans. That's a break. And then in Week 11, Week 13, and Week 15, you start catching the backup quarterback train. Week 11 in Miami, Tyler Thigpen is the quarterback because Chad Henney and Chad Pennington are out injured. Bears win 16 nothing. Week 13, Drew Stanton, yes, he played well, but he is the third-string quarterback, Sean Hill, Matthew Stafford out injured. And now Week 15. They play, they play against the Vikings, and it's Joe Webb starting for the Vikings. So let's count them. That's seven out of the 15 weeks so far. The Bears have caught a major break. But that is what hap- that's what That's what has happened this year in the NFL. It's been a crazy, surprising football season, and you never know. And I tell you, you ask Lovey Smith, you ask the Bears players, they will take it. So let's see if they make the most of their last break tonight against Joe Webb and the Minnesota Vikings. 7.30 kickoff from TCF Bank Stadium in Minneapolis. Hopefully nobody gets hurt. Hopefully it's just a fun atmosphere uh, in a unique uh, NFL event at TCF Bank Stadium. Neil Malone with you here on Two Guys and Mike on TalkZone.com. That's all the time we have in the show today. It'll be Brady, Stiff, and I tomorrow. We'll break down that Bears game and also talk about all sorts of other sports, try to get some basketball and baseball in there as well. So have a great rest of your Monday, everybody, and we'll catch you tomorrow here on TalkZone.com. Two guys and a mic.